Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Pisgah Podcast. Thank you again for listening to Pisgah. We are your hosts, Drew and Mangler, and we are coming to you live from the muddy banks of the Davidson River. This is also another fun place to have snacks at. Snacks or skinny dipping or tubing or accidentally getting a hook in your lip. Ooh, ouch. Well, we have a lot to talk about this week, so what do we have in the news this week? This past weekend, Ride Canuga hosted the XC Southeast race, which is an analog bike and an e-bike cross-country race around a course that the Canuga crew fancied up over the last few weeks. Based off the map, it looked like it used some similar setup from the Cranksgiving race with a few changes. Yeah, you're right. Uh, totally does. The park's terrain offers a good layout for some creative course routes that look really fun, but for how long? Yeah, you know, our area's been lacking proper XC racing for a long time. The USA Cycling-style cross-country races are kind of hard to pull off in the forest, so having a venue that can host these is pretty crucial for the growing of the sport. For the longest time, the greater western North Carolina area, the closest we've really had out here have been endurance races for the XC crowd, and that can be kind of a high barrier for entry for the discipline. Now, I feel like Callie hinted at this when we interviewed her way back in our pretty much first episode. She, you know, she says something about how there weren't enough cross-country races anymore, and I swear she winked at me a little bit when she said that, so maybe I just didn't catch what she was throwing out. Uh, checking out the results, it's cool to see a good kid turn out. They had kids race uh, 10 and under, 11 to 12, 13 to 14. It looks like around 35 kids entered. And many of these kids are the children of some card-carrying badasses too. So this is future talent for sure. Yeah, it's awesome to see. The XCMTB Open Women's had 13 registered with third place going to Beata Wanska, second to Hannah Arensman, and first place to Madison Maloney. The XCMTB Amateur Women had seven registered with third going to Isabel Richardson, second to Linda Miranda, and first going to Madison Altman. The XCMTB Men had 27 registered. Third place went to Tyler Clark. Second to Cypress Gorey, and on the top step was Tyler Orschel. The XCMTB Junior Men 18 and under had 18 registered. Third went to Wade Sharp. Second to Colin O'Neill. First to Liam Bartman. The XCMTB Intermediate Men. 12 registered, third going to Davis Austin, second to our good buddy Joe Driver, and first to Griffin Tishenor. 
uh, XC MTB Beginner Men had five registered. Third went to David Tiller. Second to Hank Duncan. First to Johnny Ridenour. And then the XC MTB 40 plus men. Six registered. Dave Lamont came in third. Worth Grant came in second. And Mr. West Dixon himself came in first on the top step. That is West Dixon from the Sycamore Cycles. And then XC MTB. 50-plus men, three registered. We got Ken Tackett, Patrick Miranda, and Craig O'Neill on the top. Then, Drew, uh, since it's Canuga, they did have an E-Mountain bike uh, lineup. Naturally. The EMTB Open Women had three registered with Caroline Washam coming in second. And then first place is none other than our Callie Horwath. Then the amateur women was just... uh, Dana Bell, the EMTB Open Men, had five registered. Lucas Pound coming in third. Mr. Will Pegram coming in second. Uh, he definitely had a home court advantage because he lives actually closer than I do to Canuga. And then Kyle Smith coming in first. The EMTB Junior Men 18 and under, six registered. We got Mitch Hawkins in third. Braden Butler in second. And J.D. Lamont coming in first. He definitely has home court advantage because he literally lives right next door. The EMTB Intermediate Men had eight registered. Third, Travis King. Second, Brody Bell. First was Ian Smith. The 40-plus in EMTB Men was six registered. Uh, Dave Lamond coming in third. Second, Benjamin Brown. First, Sean Ulikowski. I see Dave Lamond on this twice, so did I need to ask Dave about this because if he entered twice, that's pretty badass of him. Yeah. Category winner. So my real question about the EMTB races are, who was first place that used one of the rental bikes? Ooh, that's a good question. We'll have to ask Callie about that. Yeah, it's only a rental, so just, you know, run what you're wrong. Yeah. So for discussion this week, uh, you know, I think we should just talk about maybe the things that we do when we aren't mountain biking because the weather's been so terrible lately. Uh, you know, maybe you could talk a little bit about the things that we do to get us by. Yeah, that's not a bad idea because, unfortunately, you can't ride bikes 24-7. No, definitely not. So, yeah, I have to admit, I'm a serial hobbyist. I have a project that I'm doomed to not finish at all times. <laughs> And, you know, I have to say that my main interests outside of riding are definitely music and water. I, I've played music since I was a kid. Uh, shout out to the trombone in the fifth grade uh, band there. Um, and the classical guitar lessons that my mom had me in at a pretty young age. But a, a few years back after I broke my pelvis, I picked up the guitar again after about an eight-year or so hiatus. And here in this past year, having spent a lot of time at home because of COVID, it's been an excellent anxiety release. But uh, my wife and I, we also have dogs instead of kids. So they're a hobby all on their own. And they're amazing and so much fun to hang out and play with and take for walks and spend time outside. But uh, Rachel and I also like to spend time on the water. We don't like go whitewater kayaking by any means but we have a liquid logic sit on top boat that we do like to take kind of out of its comfort zone on some class two and three sections and both of us have family that lives at the coast so we also enjoy surfing 
most of my life revolves around either bikes or work for the most part. Now, I moved up to the Western North Carolina area pretty much for mountain biking and the recreation, but pretty much started hiking in the downtime. Uh, when I first moved up here, I had a dog getting up into the senior years, so doing some chill hiking and stuff with him got me a little more interested on some of the foot travel trails. And then, of course, waterfall chasing. I love going out and seeing a new waterfall for the first time or going back to one I've seen prior on a low flow day and seeing it on a high flow day after a good rain. But when it comes to uh, my work gear, I enjoy kind of nerding out and soldering some custom audio cables, doing some weird audio nerd stuff. So that's kind of my main indoor hobbies that in some ways it's still kind of work, but it's fun for me. And Drew, most importantly, I would say that this podcast falls into an activity that we do that's not mountain biking, because technically it's not mountain biking, but we do talk about mountain biking. Yeah, it's not quite a job, and it's definitely falling into uh, hobby territory. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of interesting that neither one of us uh, mentioned fishing. That seems to be a pretty common hobby in this area. You know, you're right. It is something that a lot of our friends do in the downtime, or some of them see it as like the other hobby. So it's like 50-50 between bikes and fishing. But in the past year, I've actually been working a little bit in the fishing industry with our good buddy, Tommy Penick. So it's something I've been getting more familiar with. But yeah, it's just not really my type of hobby. But for this week's interview, we've got local legend Walker Parrott on the show. Yeah, Walker has been around the Brevard area for a minute. I'm kind of psyched to hear his view on the growth of Pisgah and the Brevard area in general. Let's roll Walker. Walker Parrott is my name, and I've been here in Pisgah since 91, and I work over at Davidson River Outfitters across the street from the hub. It's a fishing store, uh, mainly fly fishing, but fishing as well. Trout, muskie, smallmouth. We have a retail store and a guide service too. I've been there for, oh man, it's kind of embarrassing to say, 22 years. 22 years, you know, on the place yet? No, I don't want to. <laughs> I want to be able to work and, and split, you know? Yeah, I know how that goes. So you've been in Brevard for a while, since 91. 91. What brought you here originally? To go to Brevard College. Okay. Yep. What did you major in? Uh, education. Okay. Experiential education with Clyde Carter in that program when it started uh, years ago. I think that started in 90, I think probably 95, somewhere in there. You know, I, I think an educational background is helpful for what you do. Very with, much, yeah. yeah. It's all it's all experiential education. You came to Brevard in 91. Mm-hmm. At that time, were you much of an outdoorsy person? Yep. I moved here from northern Idaho. So I went to school there uh, for a couple years and then moved here, and the transition was pretty easy. Okay. I grew up on the coast, South Carolina coast, so I went down there, and that was not much going on. Real touristy, and, and the beach. I wanted to be in the mountains, so I don't want to come back to the southeast, so I stayed here. I don't blame you. Mm-mm. You moved here. You're outdoorsy. You're going to college. And at that time, mountain biking wasn't really a thing. A little bit. Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit, but it was kind of the the beginnings of mountain biking. Yeah. Were you dabbling in Mm -hmm. bicycle travel then? Yeah. Yeah. I think my first bike was some Gary Fisher thing. It was like maroon. And I had it on the top of my car going into the Sunset Motel before Lori owned it. That's the only place that was kind of the only lodging in town. And I ran into the low-level thing as it knocked off the truck, broke broke the forks and took it to 
Joe Lance Auto, he was the only auto guy in Rosman Highway, and he tried to weld my fork back together. Oh, God. And it was it was pretty much like a beach cruiser, but we still rode it in Pisgah. Yeah. It hurt a lot, but you were young. You didn't really pay attention to it. What trails do you remember riding back then? Like all of them? Everything, yeah. Yeah? I think Farlow was, that was like the big scary one when we were younger. I mean, it still kind of is now to yeah. some degree. Yeah, but the bikes make it really easy now. That is true. But yeah, you just, we got beat down a lot, but you kind of were used to it because there was nothing else to compare it to. Yeah. So what came first for you? Like fishing or bikes out here? I've always fished my whole life growing up at the coast, so you kind of probably fishing and then bikes once you, you know, if it's the rivers like today, the rivers are too high, there's nothing to do. So you can't go riding because it's too wet, so you find something to do, like trail running or when it's dry, you can go riding. When it's fishing, it's nice, you can go fishing. So How did you get into the, the, the fish guiding deal? Doing, uh, knowing Kevin Howell at DRO, Davidson River, and just fishing here in town. I was working on an environmental crew going through like Jersey and a bunch of places no one wanted to go to for work. Did that for about two years and then broke my shoulder kayaking and couldn't travel, couldn't work because I had surgery in the sling. And started going and hanging out in the shop buying fly time materials. And some Kevin, the owner, said, we need a guide for a summer. And then... Raise your hand. Or the, yeah, the good hand you the could The one raise. hand, yeah. And then uh, from there, it's been the same, you know, it's kind of too good to quit. Good, good gig. What was the Davison River zone like back then in the early 90s? For fishing-wise and crowds and... Yeah. You could drive upstream and the three or four cars you saw, you knew the people. Yeah. You'd get out and say hey and have a beer, you know, or chill or whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. Fishing was better. There were more fish in the river. Yeah, it's just without trying to sound like a negative old guy kind of, you know. Back when it was better. Not like that, but yeah, yeah it was. there was less crowds. What have you seen the most change in since you've been here and, you know, started guiding on the waters and stuff like that? More change in the river or more change in the trails? Probably wear and tear. Yeah. Yeah, like you would expect, you know. More wear and tear on the riverbanks, stuff like that. Yeah, trails used to be, you know, as wide as your two feet standing together, and now it's about wide as four or five people. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Remember Clyde Carter years ago, we we did a lot of climbing instruction and teaching first couple years of Brevard College, and we were walking up Looking Glass to climb, and the trail was skinny, and Clyde was complaining about how the trail's getting wider. And we saw it like two weeks ago. We just walked up to one of the trails that goes to Looking Glass after riding just to see it. And, man, it was, you know, that was 20 years ago. Now it's a world wider. Drive a Honda Civic up it? Yeah, <laughs> you could. Yeah, maybe. Any good outdoor town is going to eventually hit the boom. Yep. You know, from the changes you've seen without trying to sound like, you know, old pissy old guy, mm-hmm. do you see some things have improved? I guess it's, change is good, right? Yeah. Yep. It just depends on how much and how quick and what you do with it. Uh, yeah. It's it's you know it's not doom and gloom. Yeah. It's just the stuff that's closer to town mm-hmm. seems to be more worn out. You can still get away. Yeah. You can still go ride really cool stuff without seeing people. You can still go fishing without seeing people. You just got to walk in a little more effort. Yep. It takes a little more effort to get yeah. to those secret spots. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, Pisgah and Brevard. I've seen a lot of increase in visitorship over you know past decade for sure you know a huge uptick in mountain biking traffic but also just general tourism especially with covid with that increase in traffic what have you noticed about water quality because your your boots in the water so you you see this stuff day in day out the water quality above probably every recreational access is probably fine yeah not that it's bad downstream of that but you're seeing more silt mm-hmm. you know there's more humans enjoying pisgah and Due to COVID, probably. And there were so many people here 
April, May was insane. It was. I mean, there was traffic backed up past Looking Glass. Yeah. You know, you either had to wait an hour and a half or make sure you had more beers to sit in traffic on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even though, you know, quote, Pisgah never closes for rain, over the past few years, there's definitely been more of an outreach of, you know, respect the trails when they're oversaturated, stuff like that. From an angler's point of view, you know, is is what a lot of people I don't think they realize. It's not just rutting out your favorite line on a trail. Like, what else is there to be concerned about? The trails walking into that fishing spot. Yeah. All the moss growth on the riverbanks. I mean, you can see it. You can walk up the Upper Davidson from the hatchery spillway up to far as you want to go cove creek or whatever and just see i mean you can see moss rocks that have trails going through them yeah from from fishing access but and the silt problem's pretty gnarly yeah if you go anywhere below the hatchery after a big rain like last night's rain or two nights ago you can see and you see it mountain biking too mm-hmm. bottom of some trails are just foot and a half of sand yeah and that sand comes down here you can take you can take some down the lower davidson or like um sycamore flats you can just see big sand pile deposits like sandbars yeah mm-hmm. which five six years ago they weren't there wow at all and all that sand covers up the bugs and covers up the spawning grounds for trout and you know there is a factor way down low that's gonna hurt the fishing but maybe that's change yeah and, you know, good or bad yeah good or bad you, yeah. you look at it um i've heard some some long timers in the area i'm not gonna call them old timers but some have said that the water quality here kind of used to be a little worse, but in some regards that made the fishing better. The hatchery changed. Yeah. The hatchery had a guy that ran it that had a lot of affluent coming out, mm-hmm. which is just wash out, fish, whatever, fish stuff. And that kind of fed the river, the nutrients. There was tons of fish at the hatchery and down all the way to Horse Cove or where Looking Glass comes in. They cleaned the hatchery up a couple of years ago. A new guy came in, new manager. And cleaned it up to where there's not any affluent, not anything, no discharge. So you take away the food that's washing out of the hatchery that goes into the river, fish aren't going to be there, right? Okay. They're there for food and shelter, mostly food. Yeah. Just like everybody. We want, everything wants food. Food, shelter, sex. Food, shelter. Yeah, sex, exactly. Yeah. That's going to happen. And all the food's not flushing out of the hatchery, so that was poor water quality. But you also had food the fish are eating that stayed there. So you get rid of, you clean the hatchery up, you get rid of the discharge, you don't have any fish. Yeah. You don't have the volume of fish we used to have. You could stand at Coon Tree in the big turn there on the mm-hmm. south of 276 and look down and see huge 18 to 20 inch fish stacked up eating dries. No shit. Now you can stand there and you might see a couple little dinkers, small fish, which are fine. They're, they're all great. Yeah. It's just what it, it's not what it used to be. And there's a lot of people that get stuck on that, what it used to be. Yeah. It's never going to go back to where it was. No. No. It's hard getting stuck on that used-to-be syndrome. Yeah, you just sound like Debbie Downer, you know, or yeah. whoever, just mm-hmm. negative. How has your business changed over the past year with, you know, our current pandemic scenario going on? Not a lot of days off. Not a lot of days off. It's insane. Yeah. Usually our season will run, or the slowest part of the season will, a little before Christmas mm-hmm. and uh, first week of March, you have like a little couple months of relaxing, traveling, fishing, whatever you want to do. Working kind of, not part-time, but a couple days a week, not every day, not 14 days strung out guiding. Yeah. And this year, there's not a lot of break. Wow. People are still in town. Last Saturday, we had three trips out, and it was dumping rain and cold. And there's people happy as could be waiting in line ready to go fishing. Wow. Yeah. Just wearing you out. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) 
It's perfect. Yeah. I'd rather do that than I'm mean, sit around. Yeah, that's you know? true. For your average customer, where are you usually taking them? Do you have customers that say, just take me somewhere good, or do you have customers that will request something? Usually um, Maine Davidson, East Fork. You know, a lot of it they can request, which and our guides will do whatever they want to do within reason. But mostly it's up to them, whatever they want to do. A lot of times they don't care. They just want to go fishing. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about an average guiding trip. What's a day look like? Um, we run half day, mm-hmm. four hours. Full days are six to eight. Okay. And float trips. So there's kind of three different float, three different trips. Half day is just four hours. People, Two people show up, meet the guy in the morning, eight. Kind of check in, chill out, meet each other, get their gear on, fist till around one or two. Pretty easy peasy. And then half days are great because then people can split and go do what they want to do, hike or bike or whatever. And then full days are, you know, full day. And that full days are kind of cool because you can walk in a little bit if you want to. It gives you more time to go different places. Mm-hmm. And then float trips are away from town, usually an hour. Away from Brevard, usually an hour. All the guides own their own boats. So it's something cool, something you want to show your older, older customers you've had for a couple of years, something different. Nice. And you got to have options. Yeah. If the same angler fishes with and keeps doing the same thing, two person half day every time, they're, they get a little bored. Yeah. And you got to change it up for them. Mm-hmm. And then you go for a mountain bike ride after half days, usually. Guide and ride. Guide and That's ride. That's the best job description ever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's Walker's go to after work ride? Probably Bennett. Bennett? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I see you all over the forest and random places. I know. I like seeing you. It's like, hey, hey, hey. Uh, it's easy from here because you can get off the water. Yep. Eat a taco, ride from here, and we're right from the fly shop and go ride Bennett. And then if you got anything left in the tank, you can come over to Maxwell. And if you got anything left out of that, you can go ride the M. I mean, you can keep going. Yeah. It's it's, not, it's a beautiful thing. What's your current bike trail setup right now? Mega Tower, Santa Cruz Mega Tower. Oh, okay. I like it. Yeah. A lot. Mm-hmm. I've put, uh, raised it up to 170 without the hub's approval, but did anyway. <laughs> I got some Cascade Link thing put on. My buddy Jeff told me to get. Yeah. Hated it the first day. I love it now, though. Okay. Yeah. Had to ride it in a little bit. Yeah. Had to get used to it. Made it faster, though. Way faster. Yeah, plow through all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, smooths out the Pisgah rough. And climbs like a champ, too. That's that's crazy that these big 160, 170 bikes still climb so good. I mean, you need a little body English, too. You got to kind of get up and mm-hmm. let it roll. Take some finesse. But... Yeah, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. Here's a good question for you. You spend all your time right here at the Gates of Pisgah. So if if Walker has three days off, what are you doing? Where are you going, and who are you taking with you? Three days off, stay in town? No, you do whatever. Driving distance. Man, that's pretty tough. I might just stay in town for three days. Really? Stay in town, go ride North Mills, go ride Kitsuma, something I don't ride a whole lot. Okay. Probably go musky fishing for one of those days. Day three... Probably go ride in the morning, then musky fishing in the afternoon, and then go to work the day four, unfortunately. You know, there's that saying, a painter's house is never painted, but it, it sounds like you still get out and do a lot of fishing leisurely. I have, yeah, I mean, I love it. I fished all during the rain last week. The cool thing living here, it's the best thing for, best place to live for ADD people like me, because when it rains, you can go kayaking. Yep. I can't do that anymore. I got broken too many times, so I kind of retired. You can go bike and do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not... Totally snow season here, not totally mud season. There's always usually a pretty easy temp to do kind of whatever you want to do outside. Uh, how often do you ever dabble with, you know, biking into fishing spots? 
or have you messed with bikepacking at all? Mm-hmm. You know? I had El Presidente himself, Logan, on the show a couple episodes I ago. I saw that. That was awesome. He and TJ took me out on a bikepacking trip, and they took their fly gear with them, yeah. and they did a little fishing. You know, That seems like a good multi-sport activity. Very much. Very popular. And it makes total sense. Mm-hmm. We used to ride into South Mills in the upper uh, Davidson, man, in the 90s, not knowing what we're doing. Yeah. And I guess that was called bikepacking. Yeah, we didn't know. We were just college kids that rode from Brevard College out in the woods for three days. And we stayed at that shelter up on Black, which was wild. Yep. We didn't. We had no clue what we were doing. And fished and, you know, and have fun. But now you're kind of like, well, it's, it's getting popular. Yeah. There's a guide service in town. I think they're, with fishing service, they're trying to incorporate that in their service. I don't know if that'll work or not. Have you had any clients showing interest in that? Mm-hmm. We do, but you got to get that good age group that... That has the fitness to ride yeah. in and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and you don't want to beat someone down right off the bat. Yeah. You know? I mean, even the forest roads here, you know, some of the gated ones, they got some steep spots in them and stuff. It still takes some fitness to yeah. get in there deep. I learned that this year. I had a buddy come in from South Florida, one of my tarpon friends, and I took he and his girlfriend from the hatchery up Davidson River Road uh-huh. to Daniels Ridge up the creek side yeah. and turned around. And that was it. They were done. I was like, that's it. Okay, that's your fitness. Yeah. But I don't know if I could have made them go longer and then go, now we're going to go fishing for four hours. Yeah. But I think once you find the right customer to do that, I think it's an awesome trip. What are the qualities that one must possess to be a successful angler? And how do you think that carries over to mountain biking? Be nice to people. That's a good point. That's it. Yeah. Like they've always said, you can be the greatest fisherman, the worst guide. You got to be pretty nice to people. Yep. You know, get along, like being outside, mm-hmm. not worry about having to catch every single fish that's the biggest thing ever. Yep. Like biking, you want to, I mean, sometimes you hear people talk bragging about how radical they are. And Bennett Gap, you kind of want to go away. Yeah. Right? And you look at their wife or their girlfriend, you're like, I'd rather talk to her than listen to this guy about his mountain biking career. Yeah. You know. And what about vice versa? You know, this podcast is mostly targeted towards mountain bikers, obviously, mm-hmm. but what skills and kind of experiences do you think transfer over to fly fishing besides being nice oh man exercise walk in mm-hmm. i mean it's pretty cool when you get through pisgah and your phone doesn't ring yeah after the after the ranger station yeah but you got to watch i think butter gap's got some uh some cell spots on it butter gap has some and then when you get on the north end of uh of south Mills river trail like up in there really yeah you can get some cell phone service up there like over where the gauging station is? Yep. Wow. Yeah. Pinging off the parkway, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is awesome when you enter the gates of Pisgah and you don't have cell phones. I love it. I've had customers go, hold on, my phone doesn't work. I'm like, hey, just keep driving. Uh, so I kind of grew up fishing as most young kiddos do, you know, with the family. My grandfather lived on the lakes. So we did a bunch of dock fishing. And then as I got into my teenage years, you know, doing more BMX and stuff like that, I kind of hung up fishing didn't do it Mm -hmm. so for people in similar scenarios like myself let's say they come to pisgo on a mountain bike trip three or four days or whatever and and on like the third day they want to go have a non-bike activity and let's say they want to hit you up and go for a fishing trip they don't have any gear uh nothing they they basically rolled up here with their bike stuff what does that look like with you know doing a doing a setup perfect they walk in they've already talked about riding all the trails yep which is cool Davidson River, there's a bunch of riders, Jeb, Landon, Debbie, a bunch of mountain bikers. So when those 
guys and gals come in from riding. Like in March, it happens. They still stay at Pilot Cove. Yeah. Fish for a couple of days, come in the shop. It's an easy, easy transition. I talk about mountain biking with them. They talk about fishing. Yep. Say, so why don't you put all your gear down, take a break. Yeah. Stand in cold water. Mm-hmm. You know, some of them will come in, beat down from riding, and just lay in the creek. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you can lay do whatever you want. It's your day of fishing. Mm-hmm. Easy transition. And a lot of bikers are fishermen and vice versa. And yeah. runners and hikers, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like it's a it's a good, easy kind of off-day activity to do. Yeah. And we're getting tons of, hey, we're coming in from Dayton, Ohio in March. It's wet and nasty here. We're going to bring all of our fishing gear for four days and five days and bike. Is that a good idea? I'm like, absolutely. At Davidson River Outfitters, half of the staff bikes, and I can we can talk to the fishing customers and say, stay here, ride this, do this, fish here, do this. So you kind of plan out there five or six days. Okay. And then once you start kind of knowing... When they kind of figure out, you know, what you're talking about with fishing and where to ride and go recreate, mm-hmm. they pretty much pay attention instantly. Nice. Which is nice. And you can give them all of Pete's new maps, Pisgah maps. Oh, yeah. Which are perfect. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, it's funny. Like, I'm, I'm sure, like, you know, Sycamore and the Hub, they have, like, the map stations. Yep. Where, you know, they show you all the good ride spots or whatever. And it seems like over at DRO, you guys have, like, a little bit of similar scenario yep, as well. same thing, yeah. Using the same maps. Yep. Go here. Go to the East Fork of the French Broad. There's so much water in this county. I wonder if that's why they named it the Land of Waterfalls. Could be. Maybe so. Rains here all the time. We may be on to something. I know. I think we are. We should probably make a slogan or something that says that. What are some of the deep spots that you like getting out to? North Fork of the French Broad. Is North Fork, is that on the north side of the drainage, or is that over near the Headwaters? It's, you know where Headwaters Outfitters is? Yeah. The canoe place? Mm-hmm. St- upstream on 215. Oh, okay. That so whole gorge okay. comes out of Balsam Grove. Yep. Upper section's real good. You have Courthouse Creek. It's just remote. Yeah. It's kind of what this side of Pisgah was like mm-hmm. before everybody and we made it all what it is. You can be here in May and have people everywhere. Roll over the other side of the county. Yeah. 215 is usually pretty quiet. Yeah, man. Super quiet. Mm-hmm. Unless you get a lot of motos or whatever. I mean, it's pretty quiet. Yeah. But you have that whole North Fork, West Fork, up the French Broad, where the French Broad originates. That's all the tributaries. So yeah. you still have good fishing up there. Okay. Very good. And the Davidson, of course. Avery Creek. Avery Creek's nice. You can park there and go ride Bennett, come back and swim and go fishing in the evening. That's kind of nice. That's a good multi-sport day right there. Not bad at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are some other things you think we should touch base on? I can't answer a lot of mountain bike questions. I can, but don't ask me what my drivetrain is and my wheels. (laughs) You just bought a stock Santa Cruz from the hub and then juiced it up a little bit. Yep, juiced it up and ride it till it breaks and then fix it and keep going. Yeah. What are some of your favorite non-Pisgah areas to ride? Um, outside of Pisgah, probably up in Shenandoah Valley. Oh, yeah. Buena Vista. Mm-hmm. I've been going there a bunch. But it's super remote, though. Yeah. I mean, one ride's long way. You mm-hmm. can't just do, like, little shorties. Douthat? Yep. State that, Park's yep. cool. Douthat is real cool. I've ridden all that before. I used to take a single speed up there. God, that killed me. Oh, I had dude. no clue that Virginia was big till you went up there with a single speed. That was a horrible idea. <laughs> Good God almighty. Delta's cool because it's like a state park, um, and it's got those you know some good climbing trails to get up to the ridge, yeah. and then some good rippers coming down. And there's that backside you can drop out of that into George Washington yep. and connect over to Covington mm-hmm. to all the Longdale Furnace stuff. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And eventually, I want to ride from there to here. That's a saucy ride, dude. It can happen. It's been done a bunch. Oh, it's been done. Yeah. yeah. And then passed out, passed out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know some of the boys up there, 
and Harrisonburg would do like a Harrisonburg down to Douthat and back. Yeah. That's a lot of climbing up there. That is a lot of climbing. You think climbing, you think Pisgah's harsh and hurts. That's a little bigger up there. Yeah, it's a little bigger. And when you get up on those ridges, like it's hard riding on those ridges. Yeah, they go forever too, which is cool. You can see a long way again and again. And then you're like, that's where we're going. All right, (laughs) pony up. (laughs) We got to (laughs) go. Getting out of Pisgah is nice though. I mean, just Pisgah proper, I guess, whatever you call it. Yeah. I don't know. Do you ever get back up to Idaho to ride any? No, man. I haven't been back there. We did a lot of teleskiing and mountaineering when I was out there. Um, I went back once to do some mountaineer a little bit and tele-ski with some friends, but hadn't been back. Yeah. No. It's too nice here. I lived out west, and that was awesome. The skiing was insane. The climbing was great. It's kind of hard to beat here. Here you can drive to the beach in four hours. Mm -hmm. Chill out, come back here, ride. Mm -hmm. Do you do much guiding out the coast? No. 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 I do a little stuff in the Bahamas with um, Andrew South, which is a lodge down there. I host customers down there, and in a couple weeks, I'm doing a bonefish school down there for a week, hopefully, if COVID doesn't shut that down. like it, It's already shut it down three times this year, so this is my fourth attempt to go to the Bahamas this year. Four times a charm. Oh, man, I hope so. If not, I'm just, I give up completely. But I do that, and we do traveling to uh, usually with the shop trips will be Montana in September. You get a, about a 10-day trip out there with a group of six to eight in September um argentina northern argentina in february march and then april may would be the bahamas and then guiding every between all that and then circulate the same year yeah so which is nice because every three to four months i always have a idea i'm going somewhere else mm-hmm. so you can you don't get bored and give you something to look forward to you gotta keep moving yeah has this year been tough on you not getting to it's been it? insane yeah. i came back from northern argentina almost in brazil back when was that the I was down there for two weeks, first week, uh, second week of February last year, fist in the jungle for, well, no, you weren't around anybody. Yeah. And going over, COVID is just starting to pop. Yeah. No mask, nothing. Mm-hmm. And we're in Buenos Aires for like a 10 hour layover. And I'm like, why is everybody freaking out of the airport? This doesn't look good. And it started to get heated, like just in 10 hours. So we flew out to almost next to Brazil and it was chill. Came back 10 days later and the whole city, whole Buenos Aires had shut down. Wow. And I was like, we're getting stuck right here. And I looked at my three customers. I was like, we got to go now. Don't go outside of the airport. Just stay in here. We're going to kind of hold, chill out. Because it was crazy, man. There were cops everywhere. Go here, go there. I remember asking one lady, I said, what happens if I answer wrong? And she said, look through that door. And I opened the door. And, man, there was probably 30 people in there. And no one knew what COVID was. So everybody's freaking out, screaming and yelling. Couldn't travel. It was bizarre. And then came back. And then it was like, oh, man. This COVID's real, so I haven't done anything. I haven't been to eat. I've, I've eaten one taco outside of my house, besides food truck. Yeah. I haven't been out to eat. No one has, really. Yeah, I mean, it's all like, you know, I've, I've done quite a bit of, you know, to-go orders and yeah. stuff. But, but I don't want to go sit down in a restaurant and hang out with people. No. feels weird. It does. Yeah. And, like, just thinking about it, like, gives you some a little bit of anxiety because it, it seems so dangerous in a way. <laughs> Yeah, and it's weird to say it's dangerous, but when you slow down and think about it, shit, it kind of is. Yeah. Yeah. But hopefully we can get back to some normalcy here soon, and you can get back to taking some customers on some cool trips. I'm kind of ready. (laughs) Yeah. So on some of these, you know, out west trips and stuff, is it just purely fishing? Are you usually in and out with not much recreational time? Um, Yeah. I mean, you're 
when we first started going out there years ago, it was like, let's do something different. Let's kind of give us a break and we can go fishing with customers and get paid. And it's gotten to the point now it's, it's getting so popular that you're just guiding for seven days with a group of six to eight. Yeah. Wake up, get them rolling in the morning, get them on the boats, get them going, mm-hmm. come back at lunch, you know, get everything ready, just guiding, cooking dinner for them. Jeb does all the cooking, so, yeah. And those guys are fine and gals. They like, they know the program. They want to fish, chill, eat, go to sleep. Yep. I mean, it's just like us when we go on bike trips. Yeah. We want to yeah. eat breakfast, ride bikes, chill, yep. sleep. Do it again. Yeah, and not go too crazy. I mean, what, you're too tired to do anything else. Yeah. Yeah, which is great. Once the customers get tired, like on day two, you know it's going to be easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. When they get set in their tone, they get set in their little schedule, and they're happy. Yeah. Uh, it's perfect. Nice. Mm-hmm. Right on. Walker, how can people keep up with you and what you're doing on social media? Probably through Instagram. I'm real bad at it. I don't respond. Well, I respond, but I don't post a whole lot. Facebook a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably about it. All right. And just in town, yeah. in, the, in the intersection. Yeah. Yeah. You're, Why go anywhere else? Just stay right here. You're, you're either here at the hub, <laughs> you're, at, you're at the quote office, or you're at the other office, which is the river out yeah, back. Exactly. And that one's the better. The second office is way better. Yeah. I used to do the inside stuff. I couldn't do that too good. Yeah. No. I had a desk years ago, and no way. Can't do that again. No. Mm-hmm. Another guide. God's more fun. That's what people want to do. They want to go outside and play. Well, dude, awesome for taking the time to sit down with me here on the show. And uh, let's go rip some laps when it's uh, good dirt. Absolutely. And I dig your show. It's real good. It's good to see and good to hear it. It's a good vibe. I think we're doing it responsibly. Guys like you and gals like you are doing stuff and making it aware mm-hmm. and just not being a complete run, you know? Yeah. I think it's cool. It's education. Awesome. Yeah, I dig it. Well, thank you, dude. We appreciate it. Yeah, man. We appreciate, you know, people like you doing stuff, you know, offering different activities and promoting yeah. that stuff. It's all about playing in the woods. Yeah. Pick pick one you want to go do. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Do them all. Well, sweet. Thanks, Walker. Thanks, buddy. I like to hear a different perspective on how change is perceived. It, it's actually done good for me because I, I've been curmudgeonly about the change in Pisgah myself for a decade and I'm starting to understand how other people and other users of the forest see that change. Yeah, I mean, change is inevitable and it's just it's all in how you, you, you look at it, right? Exactly, yeah. We want to give a huge shout out to all the kids that punched their first XC race ticket at this past weekend's XC Southeast race at Canuga. I hope they had a good time because we need some fresh blood for the future. Those kids are the future of mountain biking in the region. So, uh, about the weather, I don't want to jinx it, but it doesn't look too bad. Drew, honestly, I was very surprised when I looked at the weather forecast for like the next seven or eight days. I don't think we've had a weather forecast that has looked this good since we've started this podcast. Well, being that we started at the beginning of winter, it's kind of to be expected. Yeah, of course. But spring is on its way and change is coming. Yeah, I like it. All right, that wraps up this week's show. As always, you can find us on the social medias. Just search Pisgah Podcast. If you ever hooked that big one, but it got away, then go ahead and click subscribe and share with your pals. And rate and review us on iTunes. It means a lot to us and we really appreciate it. So if I were going to start fishing... 
Do you think that I should start with polishing up my uh, big one that got away story or if I should try and start with 